Say amen. Amen.
coming on, Rhonda? There we go. There it is. She's in the back today. So uh, we, we want to welcome you to Man Day. Aren't you excited to be here for Man Day? Let's give all the men a hand, huh? Man Day, uh, somebody said, hey, it's Father's Day. You can't rename it Man Day. And I said, we can do whatever we want, right? But uh, Man Day, what we said is that it's, you know, all fathers are men, so it's absolutely a Man Day. And you're wondering what all the orange cones are doing up here, right? This is men at work up here. So I want you to see men at work. So let's give these men a hand for their work this morning, all right? Except for Jeanette. Except for Jeanette. Except for Jeanette. <laughs> We, uh, we gladly loaned, Jeanette was on loan to these men this morning, so we thank you, Jeanette, for your, for your kindness, all right? And, uh, but we, we just want to thank, I want to thank all the guys for their car show outside. Uh, at, at the bottom of the ramp, if you didn't stop and get a bacon, egg, and cheese bagel on your way in, please get one on your way out, okay? And if you only had one, only have one, all right? So that's it. But please stop by the, uh, by the table and get that. Uh, and, and actually, you know, that's Ed Maxton out there. He, he, he cooks for a living. And so on your way out, I want you to say thank you and say, hey, is this true? This is Ed's diner out here, all right? So have a little bit of fun with him. But we're thankful that you're here, thankful for all of our fathers. Let's give all the fathers in the room a hand this morning. We're thankful for you dads. Just a few announcements this morning here. If you'll look in the bulletin, you'll see that we have uh, our Pray This Summer. If you've not yet signed up to pray, I'm going to ask you to, to do so because summer's quickly moving, isn't it? But uh, um, uh, th- today will be the last day I'll be asking you to sign up and uh, please commit to pray over the summer. Pray for your church. This is your church. Pray for it. Let's pray for God to, to move mightily. The mission of our church is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you today to, uh, to pray for our church. And, and I want to thank you for how that you did pray. You know, la- a week ago from Friday past, we had our June Jamboree. And I asked you to pray that the weather would, be, would, would hold off, that it would be well. And uh, it hasn't rained. And, and I don't think it's rained up here since. Uh, it's just been wonderful, you know. And I want to thank you for your prayers. And, and God kept the cicadas away. Could you imagine if we would have had a cicada fest out there? It would have been a, an interesting time. But God moved and there were hundreds, literally hundreds of people were here. And people found out about a church. They're going to be part of this. And they're, they're going to be connected to, uh, to sing what, uh, what God is doing here at the church. So that is, uh, that is um, that, these are the things I want you to pray. I want to thank you for how that you prayed for that. That was uh, in June. Tomorrow I'll be heading out with a group to Ecuador. So I want to ask you to pray for our group going to Ecuador. And just ask that God would be with them, that God would transform our lives as we go, give us safety. There's a list inside of your bulletin of all the names. I'm going to ask you to take that home and pray over that. And then coming up, I want to also direct your attention to Vacation Bible School. You'll see there's a Vacation Bible School insert inside of your bulletin. And I'm going to ask you to take that and put that in front of somebody and invite somebody to Vacation Bible School and, uh, and somebody who has kids, put, uh, make, a, make a pie for your neighbor, do whatever, and, and stick this in there and, and be, uh, be the church. So let's go over and be the church and connect with, with people and, and, uh, and let them know that we're here and how that we can serve their family this summer. So um, if you'd like to serve, uh, please stop by the table out there. The uh, VBS table is set up. You can register over there. You can register online. Uh, but to, to serve, you definitely need to stop by the table today and, uh, and, and find out some more information. You say, well, I don't know how I can serve. Can, I, can, I, can you say hi? Can you say hello? Can you remember one child's name? If you can do that, I think they can use you. Can you make a, a snack? Can you do something at home and bring it in? Maybe you're busy during the day when VBS is, but you can make a snack for the kids and bring it in. I'm sure that they'll use you in any way. So it's a team effort. And so we're asking God, uh, and the reason I'm asking the church at large to pray is because we, we, have, we can have great ideas, but great ideas isn't what brings people to Christ. What brings people to Christ is His Spirit and the moving of God. So, and God is moving in our church, isn't He? Amen. It's pretty exciting, man. I'm just, I just thank God when I hear, I hear new families coming to Christ. I see people uh, coming closer to the Lord on their journey. Some, are, some have come to Christ, many are, are growing in Christ. It's just really an exciting time. And, and I want to thank you for being the church. I want to thank you for what, he, what God is doing in our church and continue to pray. So at this time, I'd like to ask you also to please pass the friendship folders down the aisle. If you haven't done so yet, please pass the friendship folders as the ushers come forward this morning.
As uh, we receive our morning offering, if you're our, our guest here this morning, I want to encourage you to, uh, to let this pass you by if you're our guest. This is for those that are growing in the grace of giving, our regular church family here. So um, let's bow in prayer, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you, and I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. You've done great and mighty things, Lord. I thank you for our church family. Thank you for the celebration today that, that we can celebrate fathers and we can celebrate the men of our church. We're so thankful for all that they do and how that they serve. And, and Lord, it's a, a true celebration of what you're doing in our church. So God, we thank you for days like today that we can just stop and pause and reflect on who you are and who we are in Christ. God, I thank you for this offering. I pray that you'll be, be with, uh, with us as we give now, Lord. Would you bless each gift and each giver? For it's in your name we pray. Thank these men for leading us this morning.
If you're a father, would you please stand with me this morning? We want to thank all the fathers this morning, officially, all right? Look around, and let's thank these men. Let's thank them this morning. God bless you. We're thankful that you're here this morning. You may be seated, please. I want to thank God this morning for the men of our church, for the fathers. You know, being a father is not an easy job. Um, you know, there, there are times that we get to have fun, times that we get to play, and then there's times that, that it's just no fun at all, is it? There's times that, uh, that, that we're not friends with our kids, and there's times that we are friends with our kids, but uh, sometimes we just have to be dad and we have to lead our homes. So I want to encourage you men as, uh, as you're leading your homes today, as you stand up and you are the, 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 the dad, and dad is a special title. I'll tell you what, there's no title that I enjoy more in my life than the title of dad. Um, a husband and dad, those are, those are my first and foremost in, in life. I love them. Pastor comes underneath being a dad, comes underneath being a husband. And I am thankful for, to be pastor, but I'm even more thankful to be dad this morning. Amen? And so I want to encourage you folks, your, your homes, men, your home is God's flock to you. And you get to shepherd it. You get to love those little kids. You get to love your wife. You get, to, you get to be the protector. You get to be so much to that family. And God placed you there. And sometimes we feel like we can't do it. But let me tell you this. God placed you there. God knew your kids needed you. He, he would have put somebody else there. He put you there. And so God placed you there. And in and, and your situation, wherever you're at, maybe, maybe you're an adoptive parent, maybe you're a step-parent, whatever, all these places, God has placed you there. And I want to encourage you this morning. So as we begin today, we're going to talk about uh, joyride. We're continuing our study in the book of Philippians. I want you to think with me about this today, that uh, we can still have joy. One of the great areas, even I think for men, for, for uh, fathers, for, for people in general, and uh, everybody, really, but especially as fathers, we want to know that we can live to our potential. I, you know, there's nothing worse than the thinking that you, you didn't meet your potential, what you could have done. And I want to encourage you this morning that you can live to God's potential in your life. There's a whole movement out there called self-help. You can go buy all kind of self-help books and you can read all kind of things about how to help yourself and just some good thoughts, but that is not what we're talking about this morning. Today we're talking about the fact that you are made in the likeness and in the image of God. And, and, and you being in the likeness and image of God, that changes everything. Now, you can live to the potential. You can live to the potential of a child of God. Now, I want you to think about this. You're made in the image and the likeness of God. So therefore, <clears throat> when you resemble God, you're made in His image. See, when I look at my kids, my kids resemble me. Sometimes they're pretty happy about that. Not, right? Okay? Sometimes, sometimes they, you know, look, you can tell my family. Why? Because you look at Dad. You can tell this is your family. And, and so you're made in the image and likeness of God. You resemble, you're made in His image, in His likeness. You have a tremendous potential that you can live up to. And to this morning, we're going to look at a few ways. Because when you're living up to that potential, you can have a life, your life is filled with joy. And when you think about this, when you think about uh, achieving your potential, it's not found in self-help. It's found in Christ. It's found in, in becoming closer to that image of God. Uh, it's not just actualizing and, and knowing yourself. It's based on trusting that God made you and knowing who you are in Christ. I think every one of us want to be able to, when we're done with life, know that we left a ripple in the pond. Now think about that. If, if I could, if I, you know, all of our life, we, we want people to know that we're here. We want to know that we're significant. We want to know that I've left my mark, that what I'm doing is not a waste of time. And as a child of God, you have this tremendous potential. You have this tremendous opportunity to live to an incredible potential. And, and you have that, that name, child of God. There's all kind of incredible benefits to being a child of God. And just the, the rights that you have as being a child of God is just incredible. But the fact that you are made in the likeness and image of God, you have an incredible potential. And as you've opened your heart, you're following Christ, you're a follower of Jesus. This morning, I want to encourage you that you can have a potential 
and God can open up that potential in your life. So how do we do it? Over in Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look at a few thoughts here. Philippians chapter 2 says this in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is an interesting passage here this morning, and it tells us you're going to see a little bit about how that you can live to the full potential of your life, and it's really an exciting thing. But he says right here, and there's a few things I'm going to encourage you in this morning, and especially as dads, especially as fathers. He says, therefore, as you have always obeyed, not so, not so now, I'm sorry, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation. And then he goes on to the next verse, in verse 13. Verse 13, he says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do, uh, and to do work for his good pleasure. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is all comes from God. So I want, I want us to, this morning to look at this. There's a few thoughts I'm going to give you. The, the very first thought I want to give you is this, is that... Uh, and that we need to work out. He says that we need to work out our salvation. Now, when you think about working out, when we think about works, the, when we see works in the Bible, that sometimes confuses us. Some people think that this verse means that you have, to, you have to be a better person to earn God's favor. And let me share something with you. You can be a better person, but being a better person doesn't earn God's favor. God's favor was taken. You have favor with God because of the cross of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sin once for all forever. Nothing that you can do will gain you favor with God. So this morning, I want to encourage you to make your favor in the cross of Christ. So here he's saying to work out your salvation. He's not talking about to, to work for your salvation. He's not telling you to work in your salvation. He's telling you to work out what has already come in. See, in verse 13, he says that Christ has come in. Christ is the one who gives you the will. That's the desire and the work. He helps you accomplish it. Christ is the one who helps you do these things. It comes from the inside. This comes from Christ. But it is not something that you are working for. We don't work for salvation. And how does he say to work? He says to work, work in obedience. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Uh, that word obedience scares us, doesn't it? I don't know why. Why does that scare us? Because we all remember a time when we were disobedient. We all remember, we, somehow we feel that if I, if I don't do something, I don't live up to something. So here's the deal. The obedience obedience there. He says, I want you to obey. It's not about a performing a list of do's and don'ts. Um, that's not what it is. He says, I want you to obey Christ. I want you to obey his word. And certainly there are things in the Bible that God tells us that you need to do, uh, certain attitudes we need to put on, certain things we need to do, certain things we shouldn't do. But it's so much deeper than a bunch of rules. It's so much deeper than I, I adhere to this list, therefore I am spiritual. See, because you can adhere to that list today and your list changes. And I find that many people adhere to a list and, and then we take that list and we judge other people by my list. So I'm spiritual because I, I adhere to this specific list and, and other people are not spiritual because they're not following this list. So that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about obeying some, some rule book. Uh, as, you, as you look through all of Paul's writings, he's all about grace. The, the obedience here is, uh, he says, you know, to obey. And what is obedience? When we were kids, there was a little song that we sang here. And I'll just quote it for you, for which you'll be thankful I'm not going to sing it, right? But uh, it, it said this. It said, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it willingly. Action is the key. Do it immediately. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. 
obedience. I want you to think about that. When God prompts your heart, you're reading his word, and there's an attitude or action that, that, is, that, is, that you see is not lining up with God's word. You have unforgiveness, and, and so God says we need to forgive. You're involved with certain acts of sin. You're, you come up against the Bible, and you say, okay, I have to make a change. Obedience is willingly. Do you ever do something unwillingly? Do you ever tell your kids to do something and they're like, oh, dad. You know, hey, you know, w- would you clean up the house? We have company coming. Oh, I don't want company. You know, did that ever happen at your house? Okay, it never happened at ours either. So, all right. All right, so, so you know, when you, when you have that, you, you, see, you see a disobedience. See, that's, they may willingly, okay, I'll do it, and they, and they storm off. See, that's not true obedience. That's just getting the job done. That's, that's conforming. Obedience is to do it willingly with the right heart attitude. And then the next step is to, to, to do it immediately. Do you, ever, do you ever tell your kids, you know, hey, I want this done by midnight, and three weeks midnight later have come, and it still wasn't done, you know? It's like, all right, so the, those, those are important things. To do it, obedience is not just getting it done when I want to get it done. It's doing what God's called you to do. So God has given you the, the opportunity. Listen, look at obedience like this. You have the opportunity to obey God. That is huge, folks. God cared enough about you that he wrote a whole book to tell you how to live. He's given you every instruction that you ever need. You want to have a successful business? Read the book of Proverbs. It'll tell you everything you need to know, the basics. I mean, it's not going to tell you how to market your company. But it's going to tell you the principles by which to run your business. You want to have a successful family? You read this book. It's all over there. You can read, you read the mistakes of people that had unsuccessful families. You read the successes of those that had successful families. You want to have a successful family? You come to the owner's manual. Uh, you, you want to have success in all of your ways? You come before the Lord. And so you have, you're his child. Now, now check this out. You're the child of God. He's given you this incredible manual. He's, he has the owner's manual. He's the manufacturer. He knows how you work. He knows how to put you together. So therefore, that, you, that, that this will work properly for you, for his glory, for his purposes. He is the one who is working both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So the first thing this morning is that we have to obey. And so obedience is is to do it like that. And the Apostle Paul says to be consistent. He says, you obeyed. Remember the the church of Philippi. He was roughly about 10 years with the church of Philippi. He had planted the church and the movement started there. And it was an exciting time. But he really loved those people. He had a real connection with them. and, And he says, listen... When I was there, you obeyed, and I want, to con- I want to encourage you to continue to obey even when I'm not there. Do you ever know those people that, at work that seem to shine brighter when the boss comes around? You know? Uh, you know, that maybe when the boss isn't there, they're, they're just there. But when the boss comes in, it's all of a sudden their whole countenance changes. like, hi, how can I help you today? You know, it's like Chick-fil-A. It's a great day, you know? Uh, you know, it, it, have you ever noticed that? And, th- and then after the boss leaves, if the boss leaves early, they feel like they can leave a little bit early. Uh, you know, have you ever noticed that? And, and so he says, be consistent. Don't just do it when the boss is around. Don't just do this when, when the apostle Paul was there. He says, continue to be consistent. And then he says, to be real. They obeyed when Paul wasn't around. You see, that's the true, true test. See, Anybody can come on, on Sunday, we're obeying on Sunday, right? This is our time of obedience. We're, we're together, we're fellowshipping, it's exciting. The real test comes tomorrow at 9 o'clock on your way into work. The real test comes in the middle of the day when you're, when, when you're faced with a situation where you can harbor bitterness. That's where, the real, that's where real obedience comes. Real obedience is when nobody's looking. And that's what the Apostle Paul says. He says to be obedient, to be consistent. So I want to encourage us this morning um, to, to, to be obedient. As we teach our children to obey. Now, this is really exciting. When, I, when your kids are little, you teach them to obey. And I was sharing this with somebody the other day. And uh, it was just somebody in our community. And, and I said, they had little kids. And they said, well, my friends sometimes get on me because 
they think I'm a little bit tough on my kids. I said, no, you're not tough on your kids. You're teaching your kids healthy things. You're teaching them how not to wander into traffic. You're teaching them how to, to not cry, all right? You're teaching them healthy things. And so, so this person said, all right, I'm doing that. And I told him, I said, because if you do that when they're older, there's a higher chance that they will continue. They're, 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 the percentages go up exponentially. And if we teach that when they're little, and now they're, they're, it's not a guarantee, but it's, it, listen, this is, this is how this works. So I, I start when they're little. And so the same is true in our spiritual life. Do you realize I start in the little areas of my life? I want to encourage you, start in the little areas of your life. What are the little areas of your life? The areas that nobody else can see. That's your attitude. That's your motives. Nobody else can see that. So come and take those little areas of your life and take those motives and those actions and and all those things and put them before God and say, God, help me to obey because what I feel and what I think is different than what you desire. And so that's what obedience is, and we come before the Lord. I want to encourage you this morning to be real, to be consistent. Uh, Work out with intensity. Men, we love intensity. We love when things are intense. He says to work out your own salvation. I want to encourage you, your own. Don't work out your neighbor's salvation. Don't work out somebody else's salvation. Work out your own salvation. This set, see what this does, this, we're not here to compare. You're not comparing any other Christian. You don't have to compare to some super Christian or somebody that's not super Christian. Uh, you are in the image and the likeness of Christ. And that's what the whole first half of, of, uh, of chapter 2 was. Chapter 2 said that we are, uh, that Christ emptied himself. And at the name of Jesus, every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And then he moves right into this and he says, listen, I want you to be obedient to Christ. Work out with intensity. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I think a lot of times people think that word means fear and trembling. They think that that means, like, I'm going to be, I should be afraid. Like, what could God do to me? I I would be afraid if I didn't obey. And that's really not the nature and the language that it was written in. Uh, The words fear and trembling, uh, the way that they're put together is really more the idea, and it's a sense of how important that disobedience is. It's not that I'm afraid if I disobey. Uh, It's not that I'm afraid of this God who's going to hurt me. Uh, It is more of a respect, and it's a sense of what could happen if I do the right thing. It's not a matter of being scared. The words point more to this idea of an awe-filled appreciation. Wow. You get to obey. So therefore, do it with intensity. So there are, th- there are areas in my life that, that God has helped me to conquer. And in those areas that I've conquered, I, I obey automatically. I don't even, there's certain areas that are not even a question. And there's other areas that God is still challenging me in. And he's still training me. He's still, he's still at encouraging me. And he's, I'm still trying to go along with his program, with what he wants. And so you're never going to be fully sinless. You're never going to have arrived. And the day that you have arrived, you just committed pride. And so, so there we are. So we, we're, we have to continually be growing. And so we have to be obedient. So obey with, uh, walk in obedience, walk in intensity. And then uh, I want you to walk in energy. Uh, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He works in you. The word work there is the same word that we get the word energy from. It's the same place that we get the word energy. So I want to encourage you, take the word and and place that in there. For it is God who works in you. It is God who's the one, God is the one who's giving you energy. He's the one who's giving it. Now look, if you're just trying to obey some sort of rules, there's no energy to that. That, that. Pagans do that. What's the difference between you and a pagan? God's not working in them. God's not working in them. And today, you have this tremendous opportunity as a child of God for God to be at work in you, and you get your energy from Him. So it is God who works, God who places this energy, who's working in you to give you the desires. I am so thankful for that. I don't have to manufacture some Christian life. And it's not about adhering to some rule book. It is, look, he gives me the energy to do what he's called me to do. 
And as God gives you the energy to do what he's called you to do, rely on his energy. There, there was a student down at Liberty University. <clears throat> student universe, uh, the, the student down there, is, is my understanding, he had some energy, and he came, into the, he came into Liberty with some negative energy. That happens from time to time in, in colleges, right? There's a lot of negative energy going around. They, they like to do some things sometimes that, that just get attention. And, uh, and this guy got some attention, but it was the wrong attention. He, said, uh, he wanted to start, as the, as the lady told the story down there at Liberty, she said he wanted to start um, mattress jousting, if you can imagine what that is. Okay, mattress jousting. So he, they took all the mattresses out of the dorms, and they would ha- took PVC pipe and started beating each other on, this, on, this, on these mattresses. And it was good until, you know, it became a growing movement, and all of a sudden all kind of people were getting hurt by this PVC. You know, no helmets, no, you know, the mattress wasn't really working. So they had to call the student into the office, and the dean, the dean is like, oh, laughing about the whole thing, but it was a serious matter because a number of people got hurt. And they, they channeled this kid, and they said, look, let's take your energy and let's do something positive with it, Right? So the kid, now the kid's no longer a student, he's, he's a former student. Uh, the, the kid actually called back, he's now in, in his walk of life, but he called back and, and they were talking, they were reminiscing, and he talked about how exciting it was uh, because not only did, did they channel him in the right way and help him and point him in the right direction, he ended up becoming, they started a club down there, and I guess they have now what they call sword fighting club. And there's 300 students a part of this club today. So I thought, how exciting that is. But, see, you can't do that with a little bit of energy. And so in your Christian walk, I want, I want to relate that to you. Come and take the energy. It can't, it's not just, okay, I need attention. It's God has given me the, the, the energy. He's given me the passion. He's given me something inside that says, go feed a homeless person. He's given me something inside that says, go serve. Say hi to people. Be friendly. That, that, what is God teaching you? What is he talking, you, talking to you to obey this morning? What is he challenging you to do? And then the next, uh, and, and the next thing I want to encourage you is to don't, uh, first of all, is to work out. The next thing is to don't get worked up. If you want to achieve your potential, if you want to move forward, you want to do what God's called you to do, don't get worked up. And this is, this is what happens. We get worked up. We, we, we really get sidetracked in life so many times. The, the, the passage here, Philippians 2, 15 First, he tells us a couple things not to do, and then he gives us the benefits. I'm going to read to you the benefits first. That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. He, he has two things he's going to tell you to stay away from. And, and if you stay away from these two things, he says, that you may be blameless, you'll be the children of God. The people, you'll be the picture, people will know that you're my children. You'll know that you are the child of God. The people around you will know by staying away from these two things. He says, you're in a crooked and twisted generation. Some 2,000 years ago that was written. In a crooked and twisted generation. I want you to think about your life today. We live in a crooked and twisted world still. And in the midst of all the craziness, if we stay away from these two things... Now, it's kind of interesting because as we look at it, you're going to say, is that it? I thought, it's real simple. And then he says, among whom you will shine as the lights in the world. The word world there is the word cosmos. And it, it means like a star. So that you'll be like the stars. You'll shine bright like the stars in the heavens. And so, if don't you want to... That's the potential I want to live by today. I want to be known as the child of God. I want to shine bright as the stars in the heavens. And then he comes on. The next verse he says, he says, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be found that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. You're going to be the child of God. You're going to be known as the child of God. You'll be the picture of a child of God. You're going to be like the stars in heaven, shining bright. You want to be one of God's stars. This is what he says not to do. And then he goes on and he says that the Apostle Paul will be proud of you. When I get to heaven, the Apostle Paul is saying, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be so thrilled. And here's what he says in verse 14. Do all things without grumbling 
or disputing. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now, wait a minute. How will I be known as the, as the stars that shine bright in the heavens? Don't complain. Don't complain. You're a child of God. God has, he's died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He came back to life for you. And you're looking at how hard life is. And the scripture says here, do all things without grumbling. Don't complain. The word for grumbling there is uh, gugosmon. Say that with me, gugosmon. Try that again, gugosmon. Look to your neighbor and say gugosmon. All right, you can put a little Jamaican to it, gugosmon, all right, you know? All right, so I want you to think about it. Listen, it really describes it, grumbling, gugosmon. You know, it just kind of gets you upset. And, th- and this is what happens. We take all the joy. We steal all the joy out of our life by complaining. We complain about all kinds of things, don't we? Have you ever noticed that? We complain when it's hot. We complain when it's cold. I- I'm the guy who sits outside on a 90-degree day and go, Oh, it's so hot. Everybody knows it's hot. Why did I have to re-enlighten them, right? I'm complaining about the heat. We complain. complain. People complain about taking out the trash. You'll complain more if you didn't take out the trash. Leave that pile up in your house. Uh, listen, we complain. We're Americans. We have it made. We're getting ready to go to Ecuador. I'm so excited about it. Uh, why? Because we, we see how the rest of the world is living, but we have... We have a small portion of the world's population and we have 80% of the wealth here in this country. And what's God do? God's given us an opportunity to obey and here he says, don't complain. You want to shine like the stars in heaven? You want to be known? Click, this is, this is the snapshot of the child of God. Click, there it is. Your name under it. Don't complain. So, You may be complaining about good things. You may have legitimate issues. Scripture says don't complain. It doesn't say it's okay to complain if your issue is legit. Uh Uh-uh. It's always going to be hot on a hot day. You're going to have disagreements. You're going to have areas of life that that are challenging. You're going to have health crises. And I'll tell you what, some of the people that I gravitate to the most are the people who don't complain. Why? Because I see them. They have this joy. I mean, you, you, you meet up with somebody in the hospital who says, you know what, this was really tough. I think I can make it. Uh, one of our guys is in the hospital this weekend. I had a nice talk on the phone with him. He had a really, really tough battle, and, and he's got, got, got something pretty serious going on. And I called him. I said, how you doing? And, you know, he barely had strength to talk. And he said, this is just a Winnebago. I was like, Yes. Not because he remembered my sermon, but because he's in touch with God. And he's not getting his joy today if his health was good or if his health was bad. He was in touch with the God of the universe. I want to encourage you, be in touch with the God of the universe and get your joy from there. Uh, When we obey, when we obey, don't complain. Grumbling, don't complain. Um, You're going to shine like the stars in the heavens if you don't complain. And then he says, don't argue. Do all things without grumbling. Don't argue. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. I like that word, disputing. Here's what arguing, uh, complaining is. Complaining is, I didn't get my way. Arguing is, I'm going, I didn't get my way, and I'm going to keep fighting until I do. And God says here, in his word, he's teaching us that, look, if we want to have a healthy church, no complaining. If we want to have a healthy family, no complaining. We don't go home and have roast Sunday school teacher for dinner. We don't complain. Uh, we, 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 we don't complain. We don't dispute. We don't come in and say, well, you know what? Uh, it was really too loud. The music was too loud today, so I think we're going we're gonna to start a petition to get the music turned down. We don't complain. We don't argue. We don't dispute. Do you see? And those are minor things. Those are real, real minor things. And, but you know what? Everybody has something, right? 
So God says, we are not, we are not here to, to entertain complaining. We're not here to entertain quarreling, disputing, argument. We can disagree, but disagree agreeably. And so this doesn't mean that we're all happy all the time. It doesn't mean we always like everything. In your family, you're not always going to like everything. But there are times that you just say, okay, I am going to be mature. And that's what a mature Christian does. A mature Christian does not gossip. You know, complaining is so much gossip is complaining. I think it ought to be this way. Can you believe they didn't do that? Can you believe that? At school, work, wherever, you name it. And you know what? A mature Christian does this with their mouth. They zip it. And so I want to encourage you. Listen, we are all there. We've all been guilty of it. We all go there. It's just so easy to give our opinion, our complaint, our thoughts. But God says, do you want to be like the stars of heaven? Do you want to be one of God's stars? Don't complain. Don't argue. It's not what he's called us to do. Uh, you're trying to bring somebody to Christ. Somebody came up here the other day and said, I'm trying to bring somebody to Christ, and they have all these arguments. And I said, well, the Scripture teaches us don't argue. You don't have to win the conversation. You have to win their heart. And when I come and I'm looking at, to win somebody's heart, I may not win the conversation. I may not win the argument. I can still be right and walk away from a conversation. And it's Okay. And so I want to encourage you to do the same thing this morning. And, and the people in your life, don't try to win arguments. Don't complain. Because when we do, when we don't get all worked up like that, it is attractive. It's joyful. When, when people are complaining, you know what that does? That's, that's like a big force field around you. It says, stay away. Stay away. Because if you come near me, I'm complaining, and all I'm going to do is suck the joy out of you too, Right? I'm, I'm a joy killer. Don't be a joy killer. Be joyful. Get your joy from the strength of the Lord, not from how the day went, not from how you think it ought to go. Get your joy from Christ. And that is where everything gets super exciting. And then lastly this morning, I want to encourage you to work hard. Work hard. Um, there's a couple things that we that we look at when we're talking about work. Some people are just committed to work. And listen, work is truly a gift from God. It really is. Think about if you didn't have work, if you couldn't work, if you weren't able to work. Work is a gift from God. So I want to encourage you this morning to take that gift and work. Go out and work, but work hard. But here's what happens. Some people are committed to work, but they're not very joyful. They're not very happy. Why? Because their attitude is really all messed up. They're trying to earn favor with God. They're saying, look, you know, the, more, the, more, the better of a person I am, the, the better that I get, then I will try and that God will love me more. God will not love you more. When you obey, it blesses you. It blesses those around you. But you're not earning God's favor. Uh, other people say that they, that they uh, that, that, that you know, I'm going to hold back. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to make a total commitment. I'm going to try and save my life. And yet, what's the Apostle Paul say here? The Apostle Paul says here in chapter two, verse seventeen. He says, "Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all." The drink offering. What it was is go to Numbers chapter 11. You'll read about the drink offering. And what it was was they'd take wine and they would pour it over top of the burnt offering. And so as they would take that wine, they'd pour it over there. It would create an aroma and it was a big part of the sacrifice, but it was the last part. And so as they did that, the Apostle Paul says, even if I'm just that little part at the end, even if I'm just, and the word there is spend, Okay? It's the idea of spent. He says, even if my life was spent on your life, I'm pretty happy. I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Even if my life has just been spent on that, I give it all. And God, to God be the glory, and I rejoice. He doesn't say, you know, I've, I've made so many sacrifices for you. And it's been really hard. And you should really be thankful. He says, I've made so many sacrifices. 
I've spent my life, and I'm just a little touch on the offer, and I rejoice. Can't we be glad, church? Can't we be glad if, if you had a small part in somebody's life? Can't we be glad if somebody else had a small part in somebody else's life? Can't we rejoice with those who rejoice? That's what Apostle Paul did here. He's rejoicing with those who rejoice. And he says, my life is just spent. It's spent on Christ. And I want to encourage you, men, fathers, stand up and be men. Stand up and spend your life on Christ. There is nothing greater. I came here 21 years old to be the youth pastor. 21 years old. You know, I barely had a license to drive a car. And I was the youth pastor at the church. You want to talk about some faith? You want to talk about spending your life? I've spent it. I've given it. And you know what? I look back and I say, no regrets. All I have is rejoice. I see people coming back from all those years. There's exciting things. I run into people at the grocery store, and they tell me, man, I have the greatest memories of being in church. And I say, to God be the glory. And that makes me happy. And I may not see them for another year. And I just say, that. See, I'm getting my joy from who God is, not from me. I want to encourage you, whatever your walk, it's not about being a pastor. It's about giving your commitment to God. And so I am so committed. I want you to be so committed, like the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, to, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. I am a living sacrifice. I want to encourage you, be the living sacrifice to God and work hard. And then the next verse says that you should rejoice too. Likewise, you will also be glad and rejoice with me. Bound prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask our team that's going to Ecuador to come up with the musicians. And uh, as they come, we're going to close our service with a prayer send-off. But I'd like for everyone to just take a few moments and, and reflect on who God is. Reflect on what he's, what he's done in your life and and maybe there's an area of your life this morning and is there an area of your life maybe there's an area that you need to obey God I want to encourage you to take that area and, and write it down maybe God's talking to you about an action an attitude uh, maybe there's something that you're not doing you should be doing or maybe there's something you're doing that you shouldn't be doing I don't know you have to meet with God. In fear and trembling, in intensity, would you work out your salvation? Not work for, would you work out? Would you work out what's on the inside? And let it be known to the world. Let it be known to yourself. You're a child of God. Maybe there's an area that you need new energy in. You've, uh, you've neglected some energy because you've neglected Christ. If you're trying to do this in the flesh, it's so easy to try to do it in the flesh. I did, I did, I did, I did. Jesus says it's already been done. What new energy do you need to get from Christ? Um, what area do I need to stop complaining? Maybe God's talking to you about an area of your life that you've been complaining in. Maybe an area that you're arguing, that you're disputing all the time in. God wants us to, to walk away from those things. Those are... Those are more divisive than some of, the, some of the biggest things that we think are wrong. That is one area that will stop your joy. And how about to work harder? What area of your life do you need to, to focus in on? Maybe, maybe it's a, an area of your family. Maybe it's an area of your church serving. Maybe it's an, ad, uh, an attitude. Whatever. What area? Write them down. And just ask God to, to move mightily. So... In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and, and then we're going to have a send-off for our Ecuador team, all right? Meet with the Lord. Father God, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this book of Philippians. I thank you for the practicality. I thank you for the excitement and energy that you've given to us. God, I thank you how you're transforming people in our church. You're transforming me. You're transforming every one of us. And Lord, I, I, I'm so thankful for the joyful spirit that I see, that people that, uh, that are, are, are coming to you and they're being transformed by you. It's not about some happy series. It's about the God of the universe who transforms me from the inside out. 
God, I pray that you'll be with each person as they reflect on the areas that you've called them to do. In your name we pray. Amen. I'd like to ask you to pull out in your bulletin there the, uh, the Ecuador list, and you'll see the list there. I'm going to ask you to take that and pray over that this week. And uh, this team here, I'm, I've asked Wade, one of our deacons, to come up and lead us in prayer. And, uh, and then after he prays, we're going to sing the song, Good, Good Father, as we close our service. But this is our team. We have 26 total going. And I just want you to see them and, and send us off in prayer. Um, one of the things that the, if you look in the New Testament, the, the people, when, when they would uh, send a missionary, they would lay hands on them. And all that was was identification. They're, they're putting a hand on them and identifying so I'm going to ask our team up here if you would join hands. And then I'm going to ask, let's all stand as a congregation. And uh, if you would just grab the hand of somebody near you that you are comfortable holding their hand. And, uh, and let's just unite together. This is our way of laying on of hands. We're identifying as they did in the book of Acts. This is your church. The, many of you have given. And I thank you for that. I applaud your effort. I thank you for what you've done to help them get there. And we're asking for God to transform lives. Some of these people have never been there. Others have been there multiple times. We're going to be going into a school. We're going to be in multiple schools. We're going to be, we're going to a home for disabled children. That just came up on Friday. He sent me a list. I got all kinds of things to go get today at Walmart, all right? So, uh, but uh, I want you to be pray- praying for that. We're going to be in an orphanage. We're going to run a camp. They're going to, I think they're going to actually stay overnight at the camp, all right? So we're working on that. They'll, they'll, you know, pray for the spiders. I'll be at the hotel while they're fighting spiders, right? But listen, I want you to pray for us because we, we need God's power, safety and the power of God, transformation on the ground and transformation in our hearts. So Wade, would you lead us in prayer and then we'll close with a song. Let's sing to the Lord, you're a good, good father.